And uh, our scripture reading will be uh, 2, 1 through 23, the whole of the chapter. Hear the word of God. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose eyes I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the the clan of Elimelech. Behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi to the, from the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. And so she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women and let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? When you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink where the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, and though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime Boaz said to her, Come here, and eat some bread, and dip your morsel in the wine. And so she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. And when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also, pull out some of the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. And so she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, 
And she also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. And so she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I worked today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close to my young men until they have finished all my harvest. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. And so she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. So ends the reading of God's word. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you have revealed yourself to us in your most holy uh, book, the Bible, and that in this book of Ruth that we have read, you tell us of events that took place that are real events and tell us of real people with real need and how you are filled with loving kindness, how you satisfy the needs of Ruth and Naomi So, O Lord, we pray that we would also come to you this day as those who are needy and those who seek to be satisfied in your house by your loving kindness. And so, O Lord, we ask your blessing would be upon us this day as we gather before your word. And we ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We've been introduced in the book of Ruth to Naomi, and you will remember as we uh, looked at chapter 1 a few weeks back that uh, Naomi and her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, uh, all three of them, Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth, had lost their husbands to death, and Ruth uh, had heard that there was a blessing in uh, Bethlehem and that the Lord had brought the drought, the drought to an end and blessed with a harvest. And so she determined to return to Bethlehem. And they became, uh, as uh, Ruth had lived among uh, the Moabites with her daughters-in-law, after the death of their husbands, they had become very close to one another and loved one another. And uh, on their way back, in their journey back to uh, Bethlehem, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. And the Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. And this is the prayer of Naomi for Orpah and for Ruth that the Lord would grant them rest. And you may remember that that word rest is a very 
a pregnant word in the Bible. It conveys a sense of belonging in a family and having fulfilled a purpose within a family that God grants. And it's something for us to consider that the Lord is the one who settles us in families. There are uh, no accidents. Uh, each of you have been, uh, were born into a home uh, and you were given life and you lived in a family. And uh, Ruth prays for Orpah and for Ruth. Uh, Naomi prays for Orpah and Ruth that they would also find the blessing of the Lord in families with new husbands. And so uh, Orpah, you remember, uh, took Naomi's words and she did return back to Moab. And uh, Ruth, on the other hand, had come to love not only Naomi as her mother-in-law, but Ruth had come to know and to love Naomi's God. And so it must be the case that though Naomi suffered bereavement and the loss of not only her husband and two sons, that in the midst of her suffering, she had conveyed a sense of faith and trust in God. And she had communicated to her two daughters-in-law a continuing faith in God in spite of the fact that she felt very strongly the Lord's hand upon her. And so uh, Ruth says those most beautiful words to Naomi. Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. And your people shall be my people. And here is the most important phrase. And your God shall be my God. So it's evident here that this Moabite, who, this, this woman who was no doubt an idolater in Moab, had come to know and to love the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She was a woman who was converted. So Ruth and Naomi make their way back to Bethlehem. And you remember at the end of chapter 1, that uh, Naomi says, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. Mara means bitter. And Naomi feels very strongly that God has given her a heavy, heavy uh, grief and a sorrow. She feels that God has emptied her. She went away full with her husband and her two sons. How does she come back to her hometown? She comes back as one who is destitute and poor, and she comes back as one who is empty. And so this sets the scene for chapter 2, because what we see is that with Naomi and with Ruth, both of whom have a great sense of their great need. We see in chapter 2 the loving kindness of God, the grace of God, the loving kindness of God, and the tender covenant love that God 
bestows upon them. So if you are here today, and you are someone who also knows very well that you need you need to be the recipient of God's blessing because in yourself you are empty. In yourself you have no resources and you need the Lord's blessing. If you are here today and you may be a bit conscious of your foreignness to all of the blessings described in the Bible and the goodness of God's covenant grace. You may be aware of a sense of a foreignness to that as Ruth the Moabite probably was as well. Here she was. She had a different accent, a different language. Uh, She was in Bethlehem with Naomi's friends. And she was very conscious that she stuck out. She was different. And yet she comes to the people of God and she receives God's blessing. So if you are in need this morning, this is a passage that will tell you of the greatness of God's loving kindness, of his tender mercy and his grace. So we are told of a conversation first that uh, Naomi had with Ruth. And let me just say, I'm going to cover this chapter with three major headings. First, Ruth the seeker for God's grace. Second, Ruth the recipient of God's grace and kindness. And third, Ruth the responder to God's grace and kindness. Ruth the seeker, Ruth the recipient, and Ruth the responder. So Ruth and Naomi are in Bethlehem, and uh, Ruth says to Naomi, please, let me go. She asks permission, let me go to the fields so that I can pick up leftover grain in the fields. As the reapers went through the fields, it was part of Israel's law that the harvest, they were not to harvest the fields fully. They were to leave what fell to the ground uh, for those who were poor to gather. In Leviticus 19, verses 9 and 10, we read, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. God reminds them that they also are poor, have been poor, and that God has redeemed them and given them an inheritance. And he says, I am the Lord your God. You are to be mindful of the poor and the needy and to leave these gleanings on the ground for them to gather. As God has been gracious to Israel, he expects Israel to be gracious to the poor. It's a good thing for us to be reminded, and I hope one of the things that comes through this sermon this morning is that one of the wonderful things about God's grace in our hearts is that when we experience God's goodness to us, we learn also that God transforms us so that we become those who are givers of blessing and kindness and grace to others. That's what we see in this chapter. Naomi 
replies to uh, Ruth with two brief words, and I think the brevity of her answer indicates something of the bitterness of her situation. She says, go, my daughter. No conversation beyond that. Let me go. Go. Go, my daughter. And with those words, we have something of an indication that Ruth has hit, that Naomi has hit rock bottom. Uh, She went to Bethlehem with her husband. Uh, She went to Moab with her husband and her family. She comes back to Bethlehem empty. And Ruth's words to Naomi, let me glean among the ears of grain after him in whose eyes I find favor. That word, in whose eyes I find favor, is the word grace. It is the word kindness. In whose eyes the Lord allows me to find favor or grace. It is kesed. It is the Lord's loving kindness. It is his covenant love. That is a theme of chapter 2. So Ruth goes to seek after grace and God's kindness to her. She seeks to be allowed to gather grain off of the ground that she would get permission along with other poor Israelites to gather up this grain. Well, uh, we're told that uh, she happened to come in verse 3. Notice She set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. What I want you to take notice of is that phrase, happened to come. Because the, uh, you, you know, if you know anything about Israel, and you know anything about the God of Israel, you know that things don't just happen by chance. And what the the author is trying to get you to notice is that what seems to be a happenstance, what seems to be just merely uh, something that occurs by chance is something that God is very much a part of. And I want us to, to pause on that and to ask ourselves the question, do you realize, do you know, do you know that uh, though the world believes in chance and luck, and that there is no design or purpose to the events that occur in your life. That's the world's attitude. But the people of God know that the Bible teaches that even the most mundane and even the most ordinary decisions and the decisions that we make in life are decisions that God is very much a part of weaving the tapestry of your life, and your, and your life is very much a tapestry. It is a work of God's uh, art. It is God's art. It is God's poema. It's his, it his, it's his good work in you that he is producing even the image of Christ in you. And everything that happens in you, in, in, in your life, and you, you may, you may uh, kind of wonder at this as I do, <laughs> How is it possible? How is it possible that God could take my sin, my mistakes, my lack of wisdom, my decisions that I have made throughout my life, how is it possible that God could take such a life as mine 
that first of all, that he would have any interest in it. Because he's the God of the universe. That he would have any interest in it. But second of all, not only is he interested, but he is working a marvelous tapestry. He's working a marvelous, beautiful thing in you. And that is what we see uh, in Scripture. We see it worked out in this chapter. So Ruth then, as she goes, she happens to come to this field, and it's not by chance. I hope, I hope you will eradicate the word luck from your vocabulary. I hope that, uh, you know, that you won't say good luck anymore. Um, I hope that you will say, the Lord be with you. But this idea of luck or chance, that needs to be completely taken away from us. God is with his people in all of the ordinary, mundane chance events. There is no such thing. God is at work in Ruth. He's at work in you. So Ruth then is now the recipient, secondly, the recipient of God's grace. The author, uh, one author, a commentator on this passage, writes about Boaz, because just as Ruth happens to go to this field, she doesn't know it at the time. We know it because the author has told us about Boaz in, in verse 1. But uh, uh, Ruth does not know, and you have to kind of remember that they're just they're going about their business. Ruth is going about her business, and she... Uh, happens into Boaz's field, just as that happens. Also, Boaz happens to come from Bethlehem to his field. And so uh, one author has said about Boaz this. He says, Boaz stands out against an uninspiring crowd. He is the only male character from Judges 17 through Ruth chapter 4 who demonstrates compassion, integrity, moral courage in the face of a challenge. What does compassion, integrity, and moral courage look like in a man? We live in a time in which uh, both masculinity and femininity are all in a state of confusion, are they not? What does a godly man look like? What is a person like who has integrity, compassion, and moral courage? Well, we want us to notice several things about Boaz. First, we notice the way he greets his reapers. Notice the way he greets uh, his reapers. He comes from Bethlehem and he says in verse 4, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. What a greeting. Last time you worked at the place of your work? What was that, uh, how you were greeted? I know I, uh, I've worked in various places, and um, it's not the normal uh, language that is used. But, Ru- but Boaz comes and he speaks to his reapers, and he says, the Lord be with you, and they respond. And the Lord bless you. Oh, what a wonderful thing. What a beautiful thing to pause on and notice. Blessing comes from the mouth of Boaz. There is a warmth. There is a thankfulness in this greeting. It conveys 
a sense of gratitude upon the Lord for all that I have and all that I enjoy. It comes from Him. It conveys a sense of gratitude and humility and a receptivity to the blessings that God has given. An acknowledgement of dependence and an expression of gratitude. And those are the very things that we need most. And those are the qualities that I hope that you will seek and desire from God, that the Lord would make you to be one who is humbly grateful for all that good that he bestows upon you. Here there is no bitter class consciousness. The worker responds to Boaz, the Lord bless you. Instead of curses and counter curses, here we find words expressing a sincere desire that others would be blessed. This is what grace, and this is, what, this is part of what makes a man a man, a realization that every good gift that you have, every, every blessing God has given you is a result of his grace and his kindness to you, and so you grant and you pray for that also upon others. Psalm 129, uh, verse 8, says this. Uh, it's, an, it's an interesting psalm, and uh, one of the facets of Israelite life that it brings out is this very facet that we read about in, in Ruth, uh, chapter 2. The psalmist says, Nor do those who pass by say, The blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. So it was evidently the case that the people of Israel uh, expressed, not only thought about it, but they gave expression to it in the way they greeted, to one, another, greeted one another. And you remember that this comes from the blessing of uh, the, what is called the Aaronic blessing in number six. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Here is the theme of God's kindness. Here is God's graciousness expressed in this beautiful expression. It is a it is a exchange that has been noted by liturgists because it is sort of been uh, incorporated into various Protestant liturgies. The Lord be with you. And then the response is, the Lord bless you. So it's, this is a significant passage. It's a significant blessing. And uh, we know especially as well, this blessing of others is not confined to the Lord's day. It's not confined to when we gather for worship, but it is a part of everyday normal life. It is a part of the speech of those who are part of Israel, a consciousness of God, a consciousness of his blessing. And then we see also here about Boaz that his compassion and integrity and moral courage are seen in the things that he notices and he asks about. In verse 5, Boaz asks, whose young woman is this? A woman that he has not seen before, he notices. And then in verses 6 and 7, his servant answers that she is a Moabite. She is a particular Moabite woman 
who came back with Naomi. She had wandered. She, uh, she was one who has come back. Naomi had wandered, and now she has returned. And uh, the uh, foreman, Boaz's foreman, also notes that Ruth was one who respected his authority because she asked permission that he, she might glean. And he notes that Ruth has worked hard from early in the morning until now. So Boaz, we see uh, also next that his compassion and integrity and moral courage are seen in the way he speaks to Ruth. In verses 8 and 9, Boaz uses a series of action verbs. Notice that. Verse 8. Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. Okay, all right. So uh, those of you who are dads, uh, say that to your children. Uh, Listen, my daughter. Listen, my son. Boaz is here acting as one who is uh, fatherly and cares about this woman from Moab. Listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field. So here's a command. Do not go to glean in another field. And do not leave this one, but keep close to my young women. So he's issuing orders here. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you're thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. So she is, she is shown uh, compassion by Boaz with these, uh, with these uh, things that he says to her. And he is protecting her also from the fear that she might be uh, approached in an unwelcome way. He puts, a, he puts a protection around her. He says, I, have I not instructed the young men not to touch you? So uh, he, uh, he invites Ruth to continue to do what she's doing under his protection. Cling to my young women, he says. That word cling is the same word that is used in verse 14 of chapter 1, and Ruth clung to Naomi. And now Boaz says to Ruth, cling to these young women. Go after them. And when you're thirsty, go to the vessels that the young men have drawn. So he provides for her. He protects her. So we see thirdly then, Ruth the responder to grace and kindness. Her response is uh, really a, 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 a beautiful response. She, responds, she responds with humility. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground. She fell on her face, bowing to the ground. She's utterly overwhelmed by the kindness that is being shown to her. In chapter 2, verse 2, we're told that Ruth is seeking favor in the eyes of someone and permission to pick up leftover grain. 
Here, Ruth is overwhelmed by the realization that she had been the recipient of much more grace and favor and kindness than she ever expected. The God of Israel is a God who does more, far more, abundantly than all that we can ask or think. And that's what Ruth experiences here. He realizes that not only has she been allowed to gather grain, but now she is being given special favor. And she asks the question, why? Why? Why have I found favor in your eyes? Why have you taken notice of me since I am a foreigner, though I am not one of your servants? What? what and it is almost as though when she uses the word servant in verse 13, uh, she says, What am I saying? I'm not even worthy to be compared to your servants. She's not an Israelite. She's a Moabite. She's fully conscious of her, the, uh, the fact that she has no claim on that which is being given to her. And she is amazed and grateful at the grace that she has been shown by Boaz. You see it as well in verse 13 where Ruth expresses her gratitude for the favor, the comfort, and the kindness of Boaz has shown to her. Then we see Boaz's response to her, uh, her, her surprise and her amazement. And he answers her question. She has said, why? And he tells her why. He says, I have been fully told about you. And uh, the text almost indicates that he has talked to other people. And the story of Naomi and Ruth has gotten around town. And she, he has heard about this Moabite woman who has come back with her mother-in-law. He's heard about her. I've been told. I've been fully told, he says. And what is it that he takes note of about her? First of all, that she, what she's done for her mother-in-law since the death of her own husband. Remember, she's a woman in grief. She's lost her husband as her mother-in-law had. But what has she done? She has cared for Naomi. She has stuck close and clung to Naomi. And she has been faithful and shown that quality of faithfulness and kindness to Naomi. Boaz notices that. The sacrifices that she's made are noticed by Boaz. She left her father and her mother and her native land to go to a country that she didn't know. Does that ring a bell? Does that remind you of someone? It reminds you of Abraham, doesn't it? Abraham left his country. He left a place that was familiar to him. And he went someplace that he didn't know. Ruth is described by Boaz as this very same daughter of Abraham, someone who exemplifies all of those traits that she has gone in faith, not knowing what she would face when she got to Bethlehem. Whether it would be ridicule, whether it would be ostracization, she went in faith and trust in the God in whom she believed, just as Abraham had done so many years before. Boaz says he has heard of her conversion, that she has come not only to Bethlehem with Naomi, But she has come to the God of Israel. She has come to faith 
and she has found, she has come to seek refuge under his wings. What a beautiful statement that is. That you, in verse, uh, in verse 12, at the end of verse 12, a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. She has come to the God of Israel. And in Deuteronomy 32, the Lord is pictured as a great eagle who stirs up his young in the nest and spreads his wings over his young in the nest and stirring them up. He hopes that that the eagle seeking to teach them to fly uh, stirs them to fly. And then when they descend, the eagle swoops under and bears them up under his uh, uh, upon his wings. And Psalm 36, uh, Psalm 36 also grasps a hold of this idea of a strong eagle as in the image of God who cares for and bears up his people and protects them. Psalm 36, 7 through 9. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. Psalm 36, 7 through 8. Mark that in your Bibles. How precious is this steadfast love of God. We seek and take refuge under the wings of our great God, his protection and his care. And that is exactly the description of Ruth, the Moabitess, that uh, that, uh, Boaz uses. And he prays for Ruth that God would continue to bless her. Verse 12, the Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. He prays that the Lord would continue to show him that same kindness that she has demonstrated to Naomi. And there's something beautiful about that as well. That God gives, to, gives more grace to those who have. And, and, and here, uh, it is, we sometimes are uncomfortable with the language of reward, and yet... Uh, here, uh, the Lord said, uh, the Lord uses this language that He Himself is the reward of His people. That God rewards His own gifts that He gives, and He has given to Ruth the gift of faith. And uh, Boaz prays that Ruth will be, be the recipient of many more gifts and rewards that God would pour out upon her for that grace that God has worked Himself in her. Along with this uh, is God himself and the enjoyment of God's communion with God and fellowship with God. So Boaz's generosity then continues in this story, and I'm going to quickly just fly over the rest of this chapter where Boaz invites uh, her to come and eat at uh, dinner time. And they're gathered. uh, Boaz sits with the reapers and... uh, He says to Ruth, come over and sit with us. 
come here and eat some bread. And so she comes and she sits with the reapers and he welcomes her in sort of the circle that is formed there, a beautiful picture at harvest time of the workers gathered about eating a roasted grain. And he passed to her the roasted grain and she ate and she was satisfied. And here he demonstrates that kindness in including her in his uh, family. And so uh, he let her glean among the, the sheaves and, and uh, he tells that his workers, uh, let, let, let her go and not only pick up what is remaining, but let her go and, and, and go ahead and, and, and pick from the sheaves themselves. And not only that, pull out some of the sheaves and, and leave them for her on purpose. And so he is going over and above to show kindness to Ruth. And in this demonstrates what, what generosity is, what what. what what manhood is, what, what, what kind of godly man uh, God had made Boaz to be, and how he demonstrates something of the kindness of God to Ruth. And so I'd like to just kind of conclude this with this thought. As Ruth was the recipient, and she goes back to Naomi and reports on the generosity of Boaz, bringing with her the, not only the things that, uh, the grain that she has reaped, that she has been the recipient of so much uh, kindness uh, as one who is a foreigner, as one who is a stranger. I want to ask you, are you like Ruth? Do you see yourself in Ruth? perhaps a foreigner, perhaps a stranger to the God of Israel. But do you see yourself, like Ruth, being loved by God and invited to sit with him and to eat at his table? Have you experienced something of the kindness of God? Ruth was absolutely overwhelmed at the kindness she was shown we sing a hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I would ask you this question. If you have received the grace of God, is it amazing? Is it to you? I think it's possible to live in Israel and to take those blessings for granted. Are you aware that you in yourself are a stranger and a foreigner, but that God has brought you in? What has he done to bring you in? What has God done to bring Ruth in? Israel, how has he overcome those obstacles? We know how he did that. He made known his kindness to us in sending the Lord Jesus Christ who gave his life that we might be invited to his table, that we would be able 
to know him and to have fellowship with him, with sin taken away, with our sin removed, with our sin forgiven, that we would be invited to come and sit and to receive his grace. We learn something of who God is. God is a God of tenderheartedness. God is a God of love. God is a God of grace and faithfulness. George Herbert wrote a poem, and in the last, uh, it's about love, and in the last words of the poem, he says, And know you not, says love, who bore the blame? My dear, then I will serve. You must sit down, says love, and taste my meat. And so I did sit and eat. And so this morning, I want you to taste of the precious loving kindness of God. Will you sit and eat and feed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, who has been given to us as food from heaven? How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge under the shadow of your wing. They feast on the abundance of your house. And you give them drink from the river of your delights. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. The food of God. May we know something this morning of the loving kindness of God in his inviting us and bringing us into his family. Let us pray. Our gracious God and heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace in the life of this woman so long ago. But we ask, O oh Lord, that the reality of what she experienced would also be true for us, that we would know something of your, the greatness of your loving kindness, the greatness of your provision for us, as you have sent your only Son to be our Savior. May our trust be in him, and may we, are, may we be marked by that humility and gratitude which was so evident in Ruth, that we would be amazed and give praise and glory to you all the days of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.